From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. To the second, uh, uh, the second uh, order I'm going to be signing also changes what the president has done, president, the, the president, what former president uh, has done, and that uh, a memorandum reversed the, my predecessor's attack on women's health, <coughs> health access and uh, as we continue to battle COVID-19. Uh, that was President Joe Biden earlier today issuing yet another executive order. This one will force taxpayers to underwrite the cost of abortions and abortion promotion in U.S. foreign policy. North Carolina Congressman Woman Virginia Fox is here in just a moment. And yesterday, Bill Donahue, president of the Catholic League, was with us discussing how pro-abortion activists, no doubt energized by the rhetoric of Democratic leaders, stormed into a church service in Columbus, Ohio. We'll talk about it more with the Attorney General of Ohio, Dave Yost. That's later here on Washington Watch. And speaking of Attorneys General, we'll talk with the Arkansas Attorney General, Leslie Rutledge, about a letter that she and five other Republican state attorneys general sent to President Biden. What did the letter say? We'll ask her later on Washington Watch. And the Republican Study Committee, the largest conservative caucus in Congress, has released their legislative priorities, and I agree with them. In fact, I met with the RSC leadership a couple of weeks ago when they were lining out their priorities. Well, today, Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana, the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, will be here to talk about those priorities and how they plan to get them passed. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Mark your calendars, folks. Coming up Wednesday, February the 10th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we'll hold our first Pray, Vote, Stand town hall meeting at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. I'll be joined by Pastor Gary Hamrick and ADF President and CEO Mike Ferris. That's uh, 7.30 Eastern Time, February the 10th. Pray, Vote, Stand, Town Hall, The Way Forward. You can join us online. More information to come. By the way, if you want this type of information and stay connected with us, I'll tell you a very quick way to do it. Text the word STAND to 67742. That's the word STAND to 67742, and you will never miss one of these events again. Joe Biden has signed more executive orders in his first week than any other president. While the media criticized President Trump, who signed four in his first week, President Biden has signed at least 22. Did you hear me? President Trump, who was criticized by the media for his executive orders, signed four in his first week. Joe Biden has signed 22 at least. It's hard to keep up with him. Uh, he added to his number earlier today with an order that will force taxpayers to fund abortions that either provide for, uh, I'm sorry, fund organizations that either provide for or promote abortions overseas. Now, this comes despite the polling that shows the vast majority of Americans oppose such a policy. In fact, according to the latest Marist poll, which was released yesterday, yesterday, 77% of respondents said they either oppose or strongly oppose using tax dollars to pay for abortion around the globe. So how can we stop this? Well, joining me now to answer that question is Congresswoman Virginia Fox. She represents uh, the state of North Carolina. She is reintroducing the pro-life global health bill, which would codify into law the prohibition of tax dollars paying for abortions overseas. Congresswoman, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate your having me, and I very much appreciate what you and FRC and all those associated with you do. And I'll just give a plug to Jim Banks, too. He's doing a great job as RSC chairman. He is, and I'm encouraged by their agenda. I think it's right on target, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And, in fact, uh, one of the issues we'll be talking about with him is the protection of Hyde. Uh, this is not uh, exactly Hyde, but it is a similar concept. That is right. keeping taxpayers out of the forced partnership with abortion providers. And that's what you're trying to do internationally. Absolutely. Um, you know, it looks like the Biden administration is going to stop at nothing 
to undo the pro-life progress we've achieved in the past four years with the most pro-life president we've ever had. Uh, With the targeting of the Mexico City policy, the American people are witnessing the country take a sizable step backward in the fight for life, Tony. And conservatives have always been the loudest voice in the room when it comes to fighting for and defending life. Well, I always point to the Declaration of Independence uh, when discussing the importance of life because there's a reason life is tethered to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The simple truth is that life is the fundamental component to both liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Without life, these other tenets cannot come to fruition. Without question. I mean, it is foundational. And it is, and I appreciate your battle for that. You have been consistent in leading out on that issue. When Joe Biden, uh, President Biden, and be respectful here, President Biden and the Democrats uh, say they want unity. I mean, that was the theme of the president's uh, inaugural address. How do you have unity when you're doing something that 77 percent of Americans are opposed to? Well, it's very difficult, Tony. Uh, Also, when you know that 75, almost 75 million people didn't vote for you and you 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 just got a few more three or four million more votes than than his than President Trump did. um, It's not unity. It's not unity. It's designed to um, to sow disunity and disrespect. Um, We know there are many things that this. Uh, administration is going to be doing that goes against what the American people want. Um, But life is the most uh, precious thing that they are working on. I mean, they're going, Nancy Pelosi has introduced a bill that um, takes away the ability of any state to require voter ID. That's another, almost everything they're doing goes against the majority will of the people. And particularly in this area, uh, the American taxpayers, hardworking taxpayers, do not want their tax dollars going to provide abortions, whether it's in this country or it's in another country. And so uh, the Mexico City policy has kept that from happening. It puts accountability on foreign uh, non-government organizations who receive global health assistance. And it shows the American people their money being sent to these organizations will not be used for the termination of life. Um, And so when President Biden decided that the Mexico City policy was not honoring, he sent a grave message that the United States now condones the termination of life. Both... uh, President Obama and President Clinton rescinded the policy shortly after taking office. They sent the same message. This is simply unacceptable and does not respect the hardworking taxpayers in this country. And I need to underscore, uh, Congresswoman Fox, that this is this has bipartisan opposition. Uh, this is not yes, we're not just is. talking about Republicans who are opposed to their tax dollars. We actually have 55 percent of Democrats, a majority of Democrats, some of them who would classify themselves as pro-choice, don't want their tax dollars going to fund abortions internationally. And and this has been the case. It was uh, going back to I believe it was 1984 when uh, the uh, the policy was first put in place. It was announced in Mexico City. That's where it got its name that we would not be funding uh, the, uh, the, the, the abortions. I think it was actually 1985 that, that abortions, we would not be funding it in our foreign policy. And so, as you pointed out, every Republican president has put this back in place, and then the Democrats take it out. And what you're proposing in your measure is that this would be codified into law. This would become a part of Correct. U.S. law. Yes. You mentioned earlier that Um, what President Biden's doing is signing a lot of executive orders. Those can be undone. Now, many of the executive orders he's signing are undoing policies and executive orders from uh, President Trump. And I heard this morning on the news, I don't read the New York Times on a regular basis, but I occasionally hear what's in the New York Times, that even the New York Times has criticized him for not being willing to do the hard work of, legislating 
as opposed to doing executive orders. Well, that's what we're hoping to do. Uh, we're we're going to push as hard as we can to get the Mexico City policy put into legislation. It is not going to be easy, given the Congress that we have now. But, you know, Tony, I don't just go for the easy things. No, um, you don't. Republicans don't go. Republicans don't go for the easy things. We go for what is right, what right. is moral, what's right in God's eyes, not just what's right in our own eyes, but what is right in God's eyes. And the protection of life is what God wants us to do. You know, I, I, I want to play a clip because last week uh, at a press, uh, I mean, it was end of last week. I think it was Thursday or Friday last week. Uh, the president's press secretary was uh, at a press conference and was asked then about Mexico City. And, and the response was, was, well, I'll just play, uh, Bobby, play that clip. Okay. Well, I think we'll have more to say on the Mexico City policy in the coming days. But I will just take the opportunity to remind all of you that he is a devout Catholic and somebody who attends church regularly. That was his press secretary responding to questions about what he was going to do on Mexico City, but responding that he goes to church. I, first off, I have a hard time seeing the connection with the, the, the policy, especially since uh, he is taking a view that is counter to Scripture in terms of ending human life. I mean, is he using, you know, we've heard that he's the most religious president we've had in the Oval Office, but the policies coming forth certainly don't show that. No, and the press is being very, very hypocritical about this. I don't know if they understand what a religious person is. Uh, we all know the stories from the Bible about the Pharisees and Sadducees. They thought they were the most religious people of their time, and and they practiced, you know, going to temple and following the law. And we know that Jesus said that wasn't the right thing to be doing. And so I think Joe Biden is— is making a show out of his religiosity. Uh, there's a difference to me in being religious and your religiosity. And I think right. he practices religiosity and not well, religious tenets. Right. I, I, I'm glad he goes to church and I want him to go to church, but I want him to listen too. And then what, what he hears, I want him to do, because I know if he's going to uh, most Catholic churches, they are talking about the sanctity of of human life, as uh, James one says, to be a, a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Right. Uh, Virginia Fox, right. as always, great to have you on the program, and I want to thank you again for your outstanding leadership on Capitol Hill. Oh, thank you so much, Tony, and I appreciate all that you do to help keep the people informed. God bless you. All right, take care, Congresswoman Virginia Fox of North Carolina, a great warrior. I tell you, she was. Uh, when the, in the majority, heading up education, and uh, hopefully, maybe in a couple of years, be back. She is a fighter uh, for faith, family, and uh, freedom. All right, coming up next, the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost, joins us. We're going to be talking about those pro-abortion protesters, no doubt incited by the rhetoric of the Democrats on abortion and how they were going to push their agenda through. Well, they stormed into a church and interrupted a church service. That's actually against the law. What's going to happen? We're going to talk with the, uh, the Attorney General and find out next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, 
it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. This is Washington Watch. You're listening to, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So glad you are with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything on your way home, you can find it all later at TonyPerkins.com. All our programs archived right there. Plus, there's other resources for you there. And let me also encourage you uh, to text us if you want to stay in uh, connection with us, uh, contact with us on things that are happening here in Washington, making sure you stay informed. You can't trust some of these media sources anymore. They cut people off. If you want to stay in touch with conservatives, text the word STAND to 67742, 67742. Keep you updated on events coming up like the Prevote STAND Town Hall, the way forward that's coming up on February the 10th. So text STAND to 67742. All right, I mentioned this earlier, talked about it yesterday. Last Friday, on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, Bishop Robert Brennan was celebrating a Respect Life Mass in Columbus, Ohio, when pro-abortion activists stormed into the church and interrupted the Mass. Now, interestingly enough, uh, there was a, a 1994 federal law, and I remember this because I was a reporter back at that time, covering uh, Operation Rescue. They were big at that time. They were having these blockades out in front of abortion clinics. So Congress passed a bill called FACE. It was the uh, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. And it was designed to shut down the pro-life demonstrators by making it a federal crime to block the entrances to an abortion clinic. Now, in the process of that bill passing, I think it was Orrin Hatch of Utah, who's now retired, a senator, who amended it to add places of worship, making what happened on Friday in Columbus a federal offense. The question is, will they be charged with a crime? Joining me now to talk about what transpired and what it could mean for the safety and sanctity of church services going forward is the Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost. General Yost, welcome to the program. It's good to be with you. Thanks for the invite. So, I know that we're talking a federal crime here, but I'm sure there were local laws that were violated there. What's, do you know what the status is of whether or not there's going to be criminal charges in this case there in Columbus? That falls under the city attorney of Columbus, and I've been in discussions with him. Uh, he hasn't received the investigative package from the police department yet, um, but uh, he knows that I'm uh, interested in the in the case. The interesting um, thing here to me is 
the only real charge here, uh, there may be a couple of legal theories to get, get more serious charges, but the main charge would be a fourth-degree misdemeanor, only punishable by maximum of 30 days in jail, called disrupting a lawful meeting. Uh, mm. Surprisingly, California, California <laughs> of all places, has a much better law that protects any religious service from being disrupted. Um, and it's a first-degree misdemeanor up to a year in jail uh, and a $1,000 fine. So uh, I've already had some discussions here in Ohio uh, with legislators that uh, maybe we ought to import that, uh, that California law into Ohio. A good idea, because I think this is something we're going to see more of. You know, we, we, uh, what, what happened on January the 6th here was despicable and what happened at the Capitol. And, and there are those that are accusing conservatives of being responsible for that, for their rhetoric and for their speeches. Well, well clearly, when you, you look at what these demonstrators were saying inside of this church, in fact, uh, talking about uh, uh, repealing Hyde, which is the same thing that uh, Nancy Pelosi and her party are working for on Capitol Hill. I mean, I would expect that we're going to see more of this disrespecting of of churches with this uh, pro-abortion, anti-religious freedom message. You know, the the, the mass was actually going on when they burst in. This wasn't the beginning or the end of the um, uh, the thing, uh, the the mass, and it didn't happen outside the cathedral. They actually um, pushed past security. And stormed the cathedral and and chanted in the middle of it, uh, two four six eight. Your church preaches hate. Um, I, I just uh, it's so disrespectful. Um, you mentioned the act uh, from 1994. Uh, a little known provision. I don't know that it's ever been used in this way. It, it has the not. State attorney, uh, the state attorney general has the right to go, uh, not to file criminal charges, but to bring a civil lawsuit and seek an injunction uh, against people that violate uh, the disruption uh, provisions of of that law. And uh, we're we're looking at that right now, Tony. We may be uh, taking some legal action uh, under that provision. Well, General Yost, I think you would be the first because I don't think it's I don't think the act has ever been utilized in the protection of religious freedom. Uh, as it is included in this. In fact, I mean, the the U.S. Attorney General does have the authority to institute criminal charges. In fact, um, they're quite significant here. But I I, I think this would go a long way in shutting down uh, this targeting of religious services for this type of disruption. I mean, I don't think we can tolerate this. Well, one of the cool things about the civil action is that it allows the federal court to impose what we call an injunction or a court order that says you may not do a certain thing. Um, And taking a page out of the Operation Rescue litigation, uh, I think it's very possible that we could ask for and potentially win from a federal court an injunction or an order that says not only are you, do you have to stay away from St. Joseph's, but you're not allowed to protest you know, closer than 100 feet of, on the outside of any house of worship um, so that we send a message that um, sacred places are sacred. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is the reason why First uh, Timothy two two tells us to pray for those in authority, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Um, couldn't have said it better myself, uh, General Yost. I want to thank you not only for joining us today, but thank you for already being on top of this. And and I would love to talk with you more uh, once you decide what action to take. Because if you're the first Attorney General. Uh, to take action on this statute. I want to talk about it here on Washington Watch. Let's talk about it again. All right. uh, Attorney General Dave Yost of Ohio, the great Buckeye state. All right. Coming up next, more state attorneys general in the action. Uh, good, Good news, okay? Six state attorneys general have warned President Biden of overreach and that if they overreach, they're going to be there. We're going to talk with one of those next. Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge is here. Don't go away. 
the history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch, and I am Tony Perkins, and I am glad that you are with us today. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, um, a coalition of state attorneys general yesterday sent a letter to President Joe Biden reminding him that any potentially unconstitutional executive actions or federal overreach will not go unchallenged. You know, a lot of you have been asking about this. You know, look, every time the president did something Uh, You know, there were those that were suing to try to stop him. In fact, uh, during President Trump's administration, he was sued 157 times in cases where states were uh, initial plaintiffs uh, trying to uh, to stop things he were that he was doing. Well, in in this particular case, we've already seen, as I told you, uh, President Trump in his first week did four executive orders and the media criticized him. Joe Biden has done at least 22. I can't, I'm having a hard time keeping up with him. At least 22 in his first week. In fact, at the end of 100 days, you know, that's what they count the first 100 days in office. Um, Donald Trump had only done 36. Joe Biden will probably be there by next week. Well, joining me now to, uh, is one of these attorney generals that uh, was a part of this letter warning the president, if you step too far, we're going to be here. Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. Uh, General Rutledge, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tony. Pleasure to be on with you again today. So what prompted this action by you and uh, some of your colleagues? I tell you what, these executive orders are flying off President Joe Biden's desk, kind of like when you flip the lights on in an old broke-down house and you see those roaches scatter. I mean, they are just flying off his desk as fast as those aides you know, that he has put in in place or just putting them in front of him. And he's having to ask, what is this? Well, just sign it, sir. And that's not good enough for the American people. It's not good enough for the people of Arkansas. And we are seeing President Biden already rolling back some of the incredible policies that former President Trump put in place. Right. And, and there's, a, there's a process. Now, we, we know that, you know, an executive order can be overturned by an executive order, but there's, there's rules in place, um, administrative policies that govern how these things are done. And that was a part, I think, of what you communicated to him is that, look, we're, we're not only looking at the substance of it and whether it's an overreach constitutionally, but also that it went by the proper procedure. And this is a lawful order. 
Exactly. And that's, you know, one thing that that we saw during President Obama's term is that this, you know, governing with a pen. And we're unfortunately seeing it again now. And, you know, we are challenging, you know, reminding rather not challenging yet, but uh, tersely reminding this president and his administration that these states are not going to sit back and have their rights trampled on. Any one of these 22, 23 executive orders out there so far that you're looking at closely? Well, some of them already that uh, the president, with regard to the Keystone Pipeline, I mean, that hurt jobs here in Arkansas, other states. Uh, the With regard to women's health, anti, you know, or rather, should I say, a.k.a. the pro-abortion executive order uh, right. that they uh, – put forth today, uh, you know, federal money to plan parenthood, the rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, all of these things, these executive orders are giving us grave concern, uh, particularly because, again, they're just with a stroke of a pen wiping out uh, policies that were put in place under the previous administration. So, General Rutledge, how can uh, some of our listeners, I mean, we have listeners in 48 states, actually all 50 states across the country. How can we, uh, how can they be helpful in this, maybe enlisting the support of other Republican attorneys general to step to step up and stand with you guys? Absolutely. You know, we had um, a half a dozen attorneys general who signed this letter, but I can assure you we have dozens of attorneys general who are paying attention to these issues. And even the my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they need to have their feet held to the fire that if they are not standing up and supporting their own state's rights uh, against this administration, if they're being trampled on. Uh, we, you know, the, there was a health care executive order today with regard to uh, reviewing the health care waivers. Uh, this has to do with the expansion of Medicaid, Arkansas, uh, did sort of a hybrid, so we didn't outright say no back in the day when it was passed, or we didn't outright say yes, we did a hybrid. But those sort of executive orders impact how we are able to govern our own states. And that's why you know, I encourage folks, again, even if you're in a state such as California or Illinois with a Democratic attorney general, you need to hold uh, their feet to the fire. And certainly, if you have a Republican attorney general, I can assure you those Republican attorneys general are going to care about the rule of law. Uh, the attorney general of West Virginia who led this letter, uh, Patrick Morrissey, great friend, but we also had the AGs of Indiana, Mississippi, Montana, and Texas on this letter to the president. I got I got to talk with mine. I got to ask where Jeff Landry was at. He should have been on that letter. I, well, and you've got a great attorney general in Jeff Landry. And so um, if, you know, J- Jeff has been a, a real leader and he's a great friend and he and I work very closely together on a number of issues. And so it may have just been that uh, he had other fish to fry, you know, or it may have passed. Or gators, or path, gators to it, hunt. You know, gators, that's right. I've, I've been down there hunting gators with Jeff and it's, it's a fun time, but um, y'all got plenty of them. All right. Uh, Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to talk with you. Thank you, Tony. Have a great day. All right. I'm sure I'll hear from Jeff pretty soon. All right, folks, don't go away. Jim Banks, chairman of the study committee, Republican study committee, is here next. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com.
Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. To stay connected, text the word STAND to 67742. 67742, the word STAND. That way you are connected with us when things are happening and urgent. We can, uh, we can contact you, especially if things are happening in your state. And we have uh, coming up a nationwide Pray, Vote, Stand, Town Hall, the way forward, coming up on February the 10th, 7.30 Eastern Time. We'll be uh, live at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, but you can join from anywhere. We'll be taking your questions. And so uh, to find out more about that, text the word STAND to 67742, and we'll be sending out information in the coming, few, in the coming days. Okay, um, if I were to ask you, what, what would you say is the the, the, the biggest issue we've got to address right now, I know there's a lot of them, uh, but when you look forward into the future, what do we have to fix? Well, recently I was meeting with the, uh, the leadership of the Republican Study Committee, which is the, uh, the largest uh, conservative caucus in the House, uh, 200 members strong. And let me tell you what, they're on top of this. I think they've got an outstanding agenda. And at the top of the list is what I think would probably be the number one concern for most Americans. And here to talk about it is the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, Congressman Jim Banks. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of Indiana. Uh, Jim, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good to be with you. All right. Let's, uh, I want to go through this uh, agenda, but I want to st- start with uh, topic number one, which I would venture to say is at the top of the list of concerns for voters across America. So what is the, uh, the number one priority for the study committee? Well, Tony, the very first initiative the Republican Study Committee has tackled has been restoring trust in our elections. I mean, the, the, the public polling is astounding that today 48 percent of Americans don't trust the election process in America. So we introduced a bill last week called the Save Democracy Act. There are three pillars of this bill. Uh, Voter ID is one of them. Uh, The second part of it I think is really important when it comes to why Americans distrust elections so much after last November. It's because they went to bed on election night. They woke up the next morning. They had one result before they went to bed, a different result when they woke up. They found out that some states and, uh, and areas started, started counting ballots, and they stopped counting ballots in the middle of the night, and then they had ballots show up 
for days or weeks after. So the second part of our bill says that once you start counting ballots on election night, you can't stop. And then the third part of our bill says that at least two representatives of each presidential campaign um, has to be allowed to be on hand uh, while the while the ballots are being counted. So that was the first initiative. The second initiative of the Republican Study Committee is to save the Hyde Amendment. What's been around, something that's been around for 45 years with right. broad bipartisan support uh, now is on the chopping block by the by the Demo- the radical Democrats who control their party today. And that's why 200 of us this week signed a letter that I I circulated that drew a line in the sand and said that we will not support any spending bill that moves forward in this Congress if it doesn't include Hyde Amendment protections, which block taxpayer dollars from going to fund abortions. Uh, Tony, uh, uh, Joe Biden, uh, President Biden, as inauguration last Wednesday, talked about uh, unifying America. He talked about unity. He had a centrist message. There's nothing unifying about doing away with a with a law that's been in place for 45 years with with broad bipartisan support but that's exactly what the democrats are trying to do at the moment yeah i was just talking about earlier in the program with uh, one of your colleagues virginia fox who gave you a shout out um that the uh, today uh, president biden overturning the mexico city policy now forcing taxpayers to fund abortion and organizations that promote abortion overseas and this is something that uh, 77% of Americans oppose, 55% of Democrats oppose this. So uh, it, it, there is a radical element that's driving the Democratic Party that is out of touch, even with the uh, with a large element of their own party. Tony, every Democrat president since Jimmy Carter has supported the, the Hyde Amendment. Even Joe Biden, as recently as 2019, spoke out in favor of the Hyde Amendment. I mean, you have to right. you have to scratch your head and ask yourself, why why is this so different today? I mean, we're, we're at a different place today than we've ever been before. I mean, yes, Obama was president and he had a Democrat House and a Senate, but they kept the Hyde Amendment even in that scenario. Why is it different today? Why is it why is it the case that 200 of us signed a letter that drew a line in the sand on the Hyde Amendment when, I, by the way, I, I circulated this letter and I invited every single member of Congress to sign it, Republican and Democrat, and not a single Democrat would sign a letter supporting the Hyde Amendment. Where just a few years ago, you would have had many Democrats sign a letter supporting the Hyde Amendment. I think back uh, to my uh, friend and colleague, uh, Dan Lipinski, a Democrat who was defeated right. last cycle in a Democrat primary because he dared to speak out as a pro-life Democrat. They, they've, they've taken out the pro-life uh, Democrats out of their party, and now we're left with a radical Democrat party where not a single one of them will sign their letter supporting the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, it was interesting. I was reading an article yesterday where Kamala Harris takes, was, takes credit for getting Joe Biden to change his position on Hyde. Um, it's the first time I'd seen that, that that was the part of his evolution was her encouraging him. I thought he had done it earlier, but nonetheless, she takes credit for it. I, I want to go back to this election issue, uh, Congressman Banks, because I think this is huge. I absolutely think this is like, you know, we're, we're, we got to give people hope that when they're putting their ballot into a box, it's going to be counted. Because right now it's like uh, it's like a bucket with a hole in the in the bottom, and you're pouring water in, it's going right out. Nobody has confidence in our system, as you pointed out from the polling data. Now, this, um, and we talked about this back in 1996, and, and, and I know you've talked to Steve Scalise about this, we had a election fraud in Louisiana, and we actually came back the next two years and did several of these elements that you have presented in your plan, and we've not had uh, voter fraud and irregularities to, to speak of. I mean, there's little cases here and there. But here's my question for you. I think this is outstanding uh, with what you're proposing. What, I mean, knowing that the Democrats control the agenda in Washington, this, though, can be a model for states to pick up and run with certain elements, is it not? It really is. I mean, we, we hope to work with states around the country who are serious about this subject, about restoring trust in elections. The Republican Study Committee, the largest conservative caucus in the Congress. I mean, we've been we've been reaching out to leaders at the state level as well, because, 
you, you really get a sense. I mean, I, I was just back home in my district in Indiana for a few days over the weekend. And everyone I talked to, Tony, wanted to talk about this subject. This is what matters yeah. most to conservatives, yeah. to Republicans, because they they lost trust in the election process in November. And they want to know that their vote is going to count when they vote again in 2022. We, we, we're we on the, the precipice of winning back the House majority for Republicans, which I still believe we're going to do. But if, if Republicans are so disenfranchised because they feel like their vote didn't count and and in uh, November of 2020, they're less likely to show up and vote in 2022 and in 2024 when we win back the White House. So that, that's why these measures are important. Republic, as conservatives, we believe constitutionally the states have authority over our elections. I want to be clear from the outset right. that the Save Democracy right. Act that the Republican Study Committee introduced recognizes the state's authority, and, and uh, the bill is written in a way that, that, that absolutely does that. Now, however— the Democrats have H.R. 1, and it's symbolic that it's called H.R. 1. It's their top priority. And H.R. 1 changes the rules. It federalizes election process, takes authority away from the states, and moves every state in the country toward mail-in ballot processes and all these processes that caused uh, these issues in the 2020 election. They want to change the – Democrats want to change the rules to help Democrats defeat Republicans and give them – an upper hand. H.R. 1 does a couple of other things that you should be aware of, too. It gives it grants statehood to Washington, D.C., which is clearly unconstitutional, but it would give it would give Democrats two more Democrat senators. And it also provides for public financing of elections, which means that you and I as conservatives would be financing the campaigns of socialist Democrats like Bernie Sanders. And that's what Democrats believe in. Uh, as conservatives, Republican Study Committee, as Republicans, we're trying to lay out a framework with the Save Democracy Act that, that's very much a counter to H.R. 1 that, de- that the Democrats are advancing. Yeah, a horrible bill. And, and, and folks, we've talked about it before. We're going to continue to track that because it is a top priority because this is the way the Democrats hope to lock in what they gained this time or what they however they got it. They got it and they want to try to keep it. Um, so, Chairman Banks... Knowing that you're, I mean, you're not in control here. You don't have the Republicans don't have the the levers to get this through. But in this period between now and when you do get the majority, you're able to educate, inform, and as you've talked about, work with states. Will the study committee do? Uh, I know you can't do hearings be, from a standpoint the Republicans can't because the Democrats control everything. But the study committee can do hearings. Are you looking at trying to educate the public more on this issue and how uh, states, especially those states that had irregularities in their elections, can fix it with uh, these types of policies? We we want to do exactly that. I mean, the Republican study committee, which is three fourths of the entire Republican conference. Representing uh, with Republican Republicans of conservative stripes, you know, of of different different types. And some of us are more conservative than others. But what what we have collectively is a powerful force to get out and tell the story. And when when I took over Republican Study Committee as chairman from my friend and your friend Mike Johnson from Louisiana mm-hmm. last term, we talked about how we wanted uh, RSC to be in the fight more. And and that's never more important than it is right now with the Democrat president, Democrat majorities in the House and the Senate. So it's our job to get out and tell the story. And one thing that we've been trying to do is build our, our, our following on social media. We've been trying to get out and do more media. We've been getting out and trying to do more uh, legislative efforts like the Save Democracy Act and the Save Hyde campaign. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more from RSC in the months and years to come as we engage in some of these efforts that we haven't been as vocal in before. See, I think you are on track. I think this is exactly what you need to be doing, given this, the, the landscape politically that you're, you're currently in. I go back a few years. I think it was prior to you coming to Congress, uh, but you do know Trent Franks, former congressman from Arizona. He okay. had the pain-capable bill that came about after the, uh, the exposure of Kermit Gosnell in, in Philadelphia and the horrible things that were taking place in that uh, abortion clinic. And and so he introduced that bill in Washington, couldn't get it anywhere. But the education of it, this raising the awareness 
prompted states to take action. And so states started passing the pain-capable bill until eventually Washington caught up with the states. So I think you're taking the right approach, and, uh, and we want to see states address this that had problems in their election. So people will have the confidence that when they go in the voting booth and they vote, that vote will count. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to say, um, as we as we finish our time together, Tony, please encourage your listeners to follow Republican Study Committee on Facebook. I mean, we're putting out a lot of information uh, in, in on, on Facebook, on Twitter, at Republican Study. We're, we're going to be engaged. You're going to hear from us more than you have before. We're going to educate uh, the conservatives nationwide about what's going on in Washington in a way that, that we haven't done as effectively before. There's never been a time that's more important for us to do that than at, the, at this moment right now. Well, um, let me just say this. You have an open door here anytime you want to come on and talk about the priorities, because I know that the study committee, uh, Jim, under your leadership, as it was with Mike's, is in good hands, true, solid conservatives. And uh, we want to see you succeed because the agenda you have is good for America. It's good for conservatives. And uh, and we wanted to advance. We appreciate it very much, Tony. And thanks for all that you do as well. All right. Uh, Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana, chairman of the Republican Study Committee. And I encourage you to uh, to, to check him out. Uh, you can follow the links up at TonyPerkins.com and um, and stay in touch. I actually it was interesting when I first started in radio um, a long time ago. Uh, probably been 30 years ago, I, uh, I, was, a fr- I was actually uh, just a frustrated citizen. had a job. I was actually working in, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say what I was working. I was working in law enforcement. But I, I was just frustrated with what I was hearing uh, and seeing on television. So I just bought time on a local station. And one of the sources I used back then was the Rep- Republican Study Committee as I boned up on issues and, and learned more about politics because I really was not involved at that time in politics. I was, as I said, I was in law enforcement uh, working. And, but I was just frustrated with the direction that I saw the country going in. And uh, the Study Committee was a great resource back then. And uh, in, in back then, believe it or not, the Republican Party is more conservative today. I've watched this in, in 18 years that I've been here, and I've watched the Congress, the Republicans, get progressively more conservative and more believers, like Jim Banks, he's a believer, coming here to Washington, D.C. So, folks, don't lose heart. Just roll up your sleeves and let's continue to work. Pray. I love what Jesus said in Luke 18. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray and work and uh, be involved in what's happening in your state. All right, folks, out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us today. Great to talk with you. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words that the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 6. where He said, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.